0: Steve, happy Monday. How are you, man?
1: Uh, really good, man. Really good. I had a fun weekend with, uh, one of my best friends, a guy who, man, without him we would not be sitting here. Uh, one of my good friends in high school when I was eighteen, uh, it's like, hey, come over and shoot a bow one day, and because uh, he knew I kind of casually hunted with my dad, rifle season, you know, went over and shot a bow, and next day bought a bow, and uh, rest is history, right? So. I owe a lot to that guy, but, um, (laughs) yeah, I went up to his, his family's, as parents got a cabin just North of Boise hour or two and went up there and hung out with the families. He's got a daughter the same age as mine. So they just, just fricking party hard together, man. Two, three year olds just running around causing trouble. (laughs) It's pretty fun to watch, uh, brought the, brought the, some guns up there and did some rang, some steel, just kind of gearing up for the sheep hunt. Um, just getting, getting the confidence up there.
0: So, yeah, that's cool, man. I took Cam to the range yesterday morning and he was like, he was in heaven. Uh, he's he's shot BB guns and I started him on like a single shot 22, but yesterday is the first time I kind of really let him go with a semi-auto uh, and it was such a mistake. I brought 250 rounds and thought, oh, that'll be plenty, like it won't, you know, his attention span's only going to last so long and we legit tore through all of that and he's like, dad, Uh, is there another store that's close by so we could just get some and come right back? (laughs) You know, when I told them we were out, (laughs) I was like, no, not today, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, good weekend for sure, man. Um, I was like totally jazzed to talk with you this morning, make it the last Monday minute before your trip, yada, yada, yada. You're going to Alaska to hunt sheep. Uh, and you still are, but, uh, you're not leaving when you thought you were. What's up, man?
1: Yeah. I mean, this is literally as random or yeah last minute here but got home yesterday got back into cell phone service a message from the outfitter that one of his guides broke his leg or something broke a leg or an ankle i can't remember what he said uh and he was just t- talking to tyler asking if tyler and i could move our trip one week that way he could shuffle things around and make it work um so uh, obviously for me works fairly flexible and and tyler's uh uh, worthless and works for the government. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we give him plenty of crap for that. So apparently he can just take off whenever he wants. No, He, yeah. uh, he called some of his coworkers and flipped some things around. So uh, he's, uh, yeah, we're good to go. We're, we just moved the trip um, basically instead of leaving the Saturday, the 8th, we're leaving the Friday, the 15th, head up there. And um, we'll be hunting with the, the, the actual guy who owns the company instead of one of his guides now, it's just how he had to make it work. Um, so Still looking forward to it, but buys me two more weeks to to kind of gear up. Frankly, I kind of needed it. Um, I uh, if anyone been listening after the from the death hike, my knee, my left knee was really really bothering me. Um, got this you know, like holy crap, I'm going sheep hunting in two weeks. Started training really hard. Did okay for the first few days, and then a couple hikes into it, that the knee just kind of flared right back up, and then so I took a few days uh last week, probably like Wednesday, Thursday off. Um just giving it some rest and it was it was bothering me, man. Like I um you know, not not like I was limping around, you know, but it was just kind of like a, a constant ache in the knee all day long and so I was just taking it easy and um finally on Friday I called up uh, my wife when she was in college worked for this physical therapist here in Boise. I uh, got to know the guy pretty well. Called him up and he actually wasn't available, but he had a new guy um there that uh, could see me um so i went in and it was kind of cool the guy was a hunter uh and he used to do a lot of like c- competitive trail running started talking to him like what's going on and he's like yeah i i have this exact same problem um and here's how to, like we're going to take care of it for you here's how we're going to deal with it um so it's pretty cool <laughs> like he uh he actually just immediately went it is basically it's i can't i think he called it like it band syndrome or something like that um, there was some, some name for it. It wasn't like overly complicated, but it is like a real thing, right. That people suffer from this. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, basically he went right to my hip, right. Did no work at all on my knee, no work at all on the it band, just went right up to the hip and was, and really just kind of like putting pressure with his thumbs in there and manipulating and kind of loosening up that where the, the, IT band and there's some different stuff that connects up there into the hip, um, really on the, on the back and front side. Um, and then we went and, uh, um, he did a little bit of, uh, I can't remember what they call it. It's like scraping down the IT band,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, take this like kind of sharp plastic or metal edge and they just like scrape it. And I think they're trying to align the fascia up with that. Um, but literally did that and then and then got a foam roller and he showed me like the exact technique to kind of roll out on the foam and then the one workout that he said is like if you just do this you know four days a week leading the, the four weeks up to a hunt uh up to any big physical thing he's like as long as i do this this is what works for me and i he said i've had zero problems in the last like three four years so but it's literally um he called it the jane fonda <laughs> like you you lay on your side um up against a wall just so you're like nice and square to the wall so your back and your butt is against the wall and then you literally take your um take your leg you know say it's my, my left side so my right side's on the ground to point kind of point your toe down a little bit and then literally just raise and lower your leg like 20 times and like after like 10 my, that muscles like back there, um, kind of the backside of the hip is, is working so hard on me that it starts to like cramp up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. So I literally that we did that thing the next day. Um, I kind of walked out there and everything felt weird, like kind of moved around, you know, like walking, like, this feels weird. Like you could tell things kind of loosened up and were kind of like almost wobbly. Um, but then the next day, so on Saturday, I was like, all that pain was gone. Um, that I was dealing with the day prior and then uh, it's Monday now just continually getting better I got a foam roller rolling it been rolling it out three four times a day and so I'm just going to keep it that and see how it goes I guess I can report back after the trip and see if it helped fix the uh, the IT band issue that's cool
0: yeah we had mentioned last week that we had a lot of feedback from when uh, you had mentioned IT band issues from the death hike and it was cool. We heard from a few PTs and some high level guys actually. And, uh, everything you just said there confirms what some of that feedback was from those PTs of it's probably not the it band itself. It's like some sort of, you know, issue at the hip misalignment, etc. And so, uh, all their advice, just from what they had heard you described aligns with everything you just mentioned there. So that's cool to hear. sounds like it, you know, with some confirmation and obviously experience now you're definitely on the right track. That's cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting, man. Like I, like, you know, I felt like the the hip felt totally fine, right? But he started, like, pushing his thumb into, like, where those joint or the tendons connect or whatever the heck's going on there. Holy crap, dude. I was, like, in tears. Like, it hurt. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know how. Like, oh, it was painful. Um, but it was, you know, obviously, like, all the symptoms were showing up in the knee, right? You're, like, mm-hmm. you think you need to treat the knee. And he's up there on my hip. And it's it was like, wow, okay, yeah, something's not right there. It shouldn't hurt like that. So, Yeah. yeah. Cool. Decided to yeah. maybe finally have a solution for this. Like I said, it's been a hit and miss for me over the last ten to fifteen years of on certain trips. It just flares up and when it does, it is it's no fun.
0: Yeah. We had some questions actually. You had uh mentioned when we talked about the sheep hunt coming up last minute and you basically at that point had ten, twelve days, whatever it was, and you said you're gonna put together uh you know, a crunch time training plan to get in sheep shape as quick as you could. Um, and as, as you said, it's not like you were starting from a bad place by any means. I don't think you can go from couch to sheep shape in 10 days, but what were you focusing on? Um, particularly aside from the, the knee issue, the IT band issue, just from a training perspective, guys were wanting to know, like, what did that 10 day or 12 day plan look like for you?
1: Yeah. You know, honestly it was, um, basically fairly strategic the but the overall thing was go really freaking hard um not you know and obviously i didn't want to injure myself um which i so i was paying attention to to my knee there you know um but yeah for uh it was just if you think about you know you could do all this cute stuff but if you think about if you just went on the sheep hunt tomorrow the shape you would come out in when you were done with it right like Say so you just went sheep hunting, did it for 10 days, came out, rested for five days. When you went to go back to do that again, you'd be rocking and rolling, right? Um, that's kind of my strategy. Like, how can I replicate exactly what I'm going to be going through? I think it when you're that close to it, it's it's time to be like very direct of um, basically what what am I going to be going through? That's what I need to train right now. That's at least my thought process. Mm-hmm. So it was heavy packs, steep hills. Um, started doing some, uh, s- like step up, step downs in the, in the garage off, off a box with an 80 pound pack. Um, I was doing some speed hiking. So, uh, the hill outside my house, I uh, had a 60 pound pack on and, um, this is where, and I've talked in the past that to me, and I think, you know, 80, 90% of the guys are this way, very, very competitive. Right. So I had set, um, like every hike I did, I was basically – I knew how long it took me to do that hike, like my fastest time ever. I was like, right, I'm going to go beat that time. Um, so like the the hill here with the 60-pound pack, the fastest I'd ever done. was 59 minutes out and back. And I was like, all, right, all right, I'm going to shoot for 57. Um, ended up doing it in like 56, um, just completely like crushing myself, you know. And then I was doing multiple workouts a day as well, just again, like pretend I'm on – Point, right? Like, yeah, you get a, a one-hour hard hike in, you glass for an hour, you gotta get right back up and do it, even though you're sore. So I was doing like a heavy hike, and then I came back and I hit on hit the Peloton bike for a 45 minute ride at like high intensity. Um so that was kind of the overall plan was um just go hard, do multiple workouts per day, and then I was just gonna go um basically hard through today was the plan until my knee flared up and then take four days rest off and then be, you know, I'd be rocking and rolling when I got up there this weekend. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Versus, I mean, I I think you could do, I think the time for more specific random workouts is, is not the when you got to get ready for it Mm -hmm. Uh, again. And I just go back to that mentality of, um, if you were to go sheep hunting tomorrow, what would you be doing? Uh, and, and I think I said, if you, you did it, you took five days off and you went back, you'd be like, you were doing the specific workout that you're setting out to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be in great shape and ready for that second hunt. So everyone can relate of, you know, bow hunting in September. Like if you're kind of slack all summer and out of shape, like that first week sucks. And then week two is a lot, lot better. And week three is better. And week four, by the end of September, you're, you're rocking and rolling. So Mm kind of taking that strategy and shortening it up. Yeah. Cool.
0: We, uh, (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to make this podcast all about training or about your injuries, Steve, but I uh, <laughs> had a separate uh, question that segued just from what you said. This is separate from the IT band and knee issue, but it is somewhat about training and specifically heavy weights. Uh, the guy wrote in said, I'm only 30 years old, but I've already had my ACL repaired and a piece of meniscus removed. Um, and then also have two herniated lumbar discs. So my question becomes with pack weight and training, uh, he goes on to say he does CrossFit, does a lot of training. He always wants to be safe and smart in his training. And then he gets to me the question here. Do you advise minimizing heavy load training to preserve my already banged up body? And when it comes to time to pack out elk, should I not be a hero and try not to do heavy loads then? Um, he's, so he's asking two things. Can he get by training without significant weights? He talked about like, what if I did 30 to 40 pounds throughout the year is maintenance and leading up to season. And then when it t- comes time to packing out elk, should I not do, you know, he's basically saying 70 plus pounds. Again, we don't know his exact condition. We're not doctors, et cetera, but you know, he has some back issues. You've had back issues, et cetera. So just maybe hit on some of those points of, you know how How do you balance training with heavy weight or even packing heavy weight in the field and not beating yourself up especially when you've already had back issues and things like that?
1: yeah I think i um I know we've talked about this in a little past i I used to do my training was i was between you know for July and August i like uh minimum seventy pounds <laughs> max a hundred and five hundred and ten. And I'll, you know, I'll do that a couple days a week leading up to season. Um, and I started, you know, getting older, mid thirties now, like I started noticing and, you know, probably 33, something like that started noticing like, yeah, just kind of knees kind of hurt and stuff like that. So I specifically backed off down to 30 to 50 pound loads. And we, I just do, um, do lunges when I'm hiking. I do, um, yeah, just, just different kind of workouts while I'm, while I'm hiking. Instead, it was just like, Pick a throw a heavy pack on and hike a steep trail that's you know gonna take some exertion to get up there, and then when also when I was coming back down, um, I was like very deliberate and slow in my steps. Just you know it's like when you're weightlifting, right? You just like really good form and doing the movement slow versus like just you know just having good form basically. When I was going downhill, I would do that just to make sure I was really kind of hitting my quads and and um, just working that out. But again, I started started feeling, you know, getting old from that, uh, so I lightened it up, and now I'm, I just do lunges, and do these weird, like, kind of just random workouts I made, I guess, So one where I, like, kick my, um, I take a step, and kick, say, so kick my right leg up to my butt, uh, and then I do, like, a calf raise with my left leg, and then I go down really, really slowly uh, with my right leg back to the ground, and dude, man, after you do, like, you got 50 pound pack on and you do 20 of those, like you're, you're working out. So, um, I would still, you can't replace, you know, this goes back to just what I was talking about. You can't replace training with like actual what you're doing. Um, so I don't think there's anything you can do that can fully replicate throwing a hundred pounds in your pack and hiking up a hill and down a hill. So I'd still recommend, even for him, like figure out what, okay, 75 pounds is his max load. I'd do a 75 pound pack and, the, uh, you know, the four weeks up to a hunt, I do that at least one day a week, go hike four or five miles with that heavy weight on, on hard steep trail, right. Or even off trail if you can. Um, but you just can't like, you can't prepare yourself for that other than just doing it in my opinion, not fully. So um, but I would minimize that. I said maybe just do it one day a week. And and your body's got to get used to, um, you know that when the the first say I've taken a break from throwing a hundred pounds in the pack, um, it's just a lot of pressure that you're putting on on your hips and your, and your shoulders with that pack. Um, and you just can't replace or uh, the the first time you do it, if putting physical fitness aside the first time versus the fifth and sixth time you do that, um, the fifth and sixth time is just gonna start to feel better. It's almost like you're, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, uh, if you just jumped on a bike seat for the first time in a long time, right, like your, your ass is kind of sore, uh, but by the fifth or sixth time it's not. Um, it's kind of the same with wearing a pack with heavy weight. Like you're just gonna be a little tender in some spots that first time. Uh, I don't know if it's like you're kind of developing calluses or those muscles are getting used to kind of carrying that weight um but you're definitely going to feel you know it's going to get easier the more you do it so highly recommend you, you do those heavy packs your max weight for for the you know four weeks leading up to a hunt
0: yeah and we i mean um we reposted this episode this summer not too long ago that how to hike heavy um interview that we did a few years back and then again just reposted here recently I mean, i can't Recommend that one enough just to think through all those things Um, and really, you know, he talks in there about scaling and, you know, sometimes you're scaling by adding weight. Sometimes you're doing it by adding distance. Sometimes you're doing it by adding intensity or speed. And I think you need all the above. Um, I generally break it down in terms of do most of my training at 40 to 60 pounds. uh, I would say year round, you know, that's kind of like my maintenance, right, is just hiking within that weight range. Um, and then as you get closer to closer to season, I'm going to do more in that 60 to 80 and then occasionally add in that 80 plus, that 80 to 100 or what have you. Um, and I think that type of strategy and being pretty strategic with that, both in terms of uh, distance and then also recovery on the backside of those really heavy workouts is going to pay dividends. But I mean, it, it comes back to someone listening to your body and figuring out, but I think it's important to... Try and keep that base too, right? Like don't don't not put a pack on uh with weight for eight months out of the year and then just, you know, yeah. try and become a hero all of a sudden. Like that maintenance, even if it's once a week, um, you know, find excuses and just make a plan to get out in the off season and throw even if it's just forty pounds in the pack and hike.
1: Yeah, that's like say like, <laughs> I think it was last Saturday. Um, you know, there was just no excuses. I had Basically kind of had both kids for part of the day. Um, so I did a hike first thing in the morning and I was trying to do like three workouts during the day. Did a hike first thing in the morning and then I had my daughter in the afternoon. I'm like, well, what can I do? So I, I got this bike trailer. I threw her in the bike trailer and we like went for a 10-mile ride. And I was very um, – like you know, it's with my daughter, so trying to make it fun. We got to this place picking some flowers. But then um, the hill coming back, um, like I made it into a game with her – her, her her trailer's kind of got some pedals on it so she can technically assist right i was like all right we're gonna race this hill you know <laughs> like how fast can we get up this thing and realized you know doing it for myself of like okay i'm gonna uh, kill myself for the next 10 minutes climbing up this hill as fast as we possibly can um and then that afternoon my wife and my daughter took off to grandma's house and i had my son so i was like all right i put put uh, joey in the backpack and we went for a four mile hike and you know obviously he's only 25 pounds or something like that um but i just made i was just doing lunges and just doing kind of random stuff the whole time and and he kind of was giggling back there because he thought it was fun because we were bouncing up and down so um you know it was kind of a no like you know very easy to be like well i, I you know i've only got this one hour in the morning to myself and uh you know, very easy to make that excuse but you can always you can always find the time you just sometimes you got to get creative with it yeah yeah well oh, uh that's a lot about work.
0: Let's talk about the reward a little bit. We had a recent question said the what's in your pack videos and gear lists are great. Uh, I've found them even helpful as a seasoned hunter myself, but a more important question is what is the bourbon of choice that you pack in for a celebration drink or just as a warmer upper?
1: <laughs> uh, what's that? How about you? I don't, uh, cause you got, yeah. On the yeah. caribou hunt last year, you had some a little shot thing. Yeah
0: yeah i don't uh don't even get me started on the caribou hunt you were rationing whiskey and sneaking it steve (laughs) i will out you Uh. Uh, (laughs) multiple times found steve like with his secret stash and i called him out later he's like what if we got stuck out here i would be the only one left with some whiskey (laughs) uh yeah man i'm not picky i don't you know pack uh pack something on every hunt but there is um My buddy Jared gave me a little soft flask at one point. So a lot of times we'll just, you know, have a little bit of something there. Um, Yeah, dude, I'm not picky. It's it's the backcountry. Any decent bourbon is a nice little, as he said, little celebration thing, little warmer upper. Um, It's always fun to mix it up. I mean, one of my... Uh, you know, one of my like go-tos in general, um, would be like four roses, small batch at home. That's good stuff. Um, I like some of the, uh, Knob Creek stuff, like Knob Creek single barrels, super good, but I'm always up for trying something. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't pack whiskey on a consistent basis at some I mean, the, there are hunts we do where, and no, it's not going to be crazy physical, like on this sheep hunt, a little, you know, whiskey is not on my list, right? Like maybe um, we'll have a base camp. I haven't even thought about this yet, but yeah, it'd probably be smart to, if we get stuck out there for a few days after we've killed sheep, um, you know, have a, have a bottle there sitting there to kill the time. Um, but yeah, but there are hunts for sure where it's like, okay, it's going to be fun elk hunt. We're going to be chilling. Um you know, in the evenings, got a bunch of guys together. Yeah, throw, yeah, group hunts. Throw, yeah, yeah, group hunts. Throw something in for sure. So, um, the if anyone's out there is, is a bourbon aficionado, I've tried one, uh, 14 or 1792 Fullproof. Unbelievably good bottle of whiskey, um, or bourbon. Yeah. Um, yeah, unbelievably good. So try that around.
0: There you go. There you have it. Um, more recommendations not on alcohol this time had a question recently do you have any recommendations for a nice light bipod to put on my rifle um we've hit this before steve and i uh you know we've both been using the spartan bipods for a couple years now and to be honest with you my my favorite thing about the bipod is that bipod is i hate bipods um i hate having a bipod attached to my rifle And so I just love the Spartan system and the fact that it's not there when you don't need it. Um, You're not carrying that extra weight, uh, the extra bulk, anything like that on the rifle itself. And you know, it's super easy to deploy. Um, I essentially keep mine in the lower side stretch pocket of uh, my XO pack when I'm rifle hunting. And so reach back, put it on the rifle and boom, like in less than two seconds, it's there. But Um, again, I just, I don't like the weight and bulk of bipods in general and have found that Spartan to be a really good solution for that. Um, you know, always before my, my hiccup on those was price. Um, they're just, they're not cheap. Um, I get that though. They're, they are super high quality, they're carbon fiber, the mounting systems proprietary, like they're, they put a lot of intent into the product and the quality has been there having, I think I'm on my third year with mine now. Um, zero issues so i love it and then i was actually looking just here again recently and they they i knew that um they had updated their models some and so i kind of went back to look and they basically made a spartan i think they called the light um and it's 140 bucks so still not cheap but their old bipods used to be like 280 or 300 and they still have like their pro models that are but um, at that 120, I think 140 price point, somewhere in there, you can get into that Spartan, um, light, which is a really, really solid choice.
1: Yeah. I think what I like so much about that Spartan, and obviously you're listening to the podcast, you're familiar that like rifle hunting is fairly new, at least in a technical sense of being, you know, super accurate guns and shooting 500 yards. Um, the, a bipod's fantastic when you're at, somewhere flat and you can lay down, get prone and shoot. Mm -hmm. But I think in realistic, like that's not going to happen on the sheep hunt, right? That's not going to happen on Beel Deer hunt. That's not like when you come out here and come elk hunting, I know that country, there is zero spots. We're going to be able to get lane prone and get a (laughs) shot off. It's not happening. It's a 3000 foot side hill, steep, nasty, rocky crap hole. Uh, You're not going to just have this beautiful flat spot where you can get lane prone. So, while they're great for that scenario when you're sighting in at the range, I think the in-field practical use of one becomes, you know, you're, you're gonna have to work hard to find a spot to do that. Um, mm. So it's way more important to me to learn how to shoot off a pack standing, learn how to shoot off your trekking poles. Um, so, and that's stuff that uh, I've already, you know, been slowly practicing and, and doing more of. I was doing some of that this weekend, uh, so when I was up shooting, so. Yeah. Um, Cause that's That's the realistic in the field scenario. And yeah. And you, you know, I go from lane prone perfectly to like, I could shoot really good groups with my gun out to 600 yards, but you do that. And the like, it's, you know, your range gets cut down to 300 in a, in a hurry. Mm. Um, when you're talking about shooting steep country, you know, resting your gun on a, on a rock as it's pointing at a 30 degree angle uphill. Um, that's the stuff that matters. That's what you need to be practicing.
0: Yeah, I mean, you had a a, a picture-perfect scenario on the caribou hunt uh, last yeah. year, Steve, to use that bipod, but that's, you know, that's yeah. not normal country for what a lot of guys are doing. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. shooting sticks, shooting off that's really important. Um, the Wiser Precision uh, makes something called quick sticks, which are essentially an adapter that can mount to any trekking poles. Um, and basically pairs the trekking poles so that it, it creates a connection and a pivot point, right? So it, it allows you to create shooting sticks from the trekking poles and there's ways to do it without it. There's guys who hold them. There's guys who rig up the, the grips or the straps of the trekking poles. There's guys who tie certain things, but I found the quick sticks from a uh, wiser precision to be a worthwhile option. Um, you know, makes it extra solid, makes it so that when you shoot, if you have one of those, like call it like an improvised um shooting stick with the grips or with you know just holding them under recoil that's those tend to fall apart right where the wiser is gonna maintain that connection and allow for follow-up shots easier um and that only adds i don't know what other steve probably sub two ounces or something um right in there for those wiser quick sticks um and then just recently i the guy reached out uh And it literally just last week launched his product because I was just talking to him about it. Um, And I'm going to check some out. But a company called Tricer USA, I think that's the website as well. T-R-I-C-E-R, Tricer USA. And he has um, some, man, outside-the-box solutions for sure, both for shooting sticks as well as essentially tripod replacements um, Hmm. using trekking poles. And so he basically created this system uh, where your trekking poles can become essentially tripod legs. And then his product is essentially the, the in-between, the mount that takes your pan head or your ball head, creates the, the mounting point for that, and then you're using trekking poles um, as your legs at that point. And there is a two- and a three-legged version there. But then he also has, uh, and this integrates with a Spartan bipod, where trekking poles essentially become bipod leg extensions. Um, And so you're essentially, again, you go to half in the chute from a kneeling position or a seated position, something like that. Your trekking poles are then interfacing um, using his product with the Spartan bipod to then create that kneeling height um, type solution. So literally just... Just launched his company. I just talked to him. Um, so I'm super curious about that. But if you guys wanna go check that up that stuff out, it's uh, Tricer, T-R-I-C-E-R. Um interesting stuff there for sure. Um it was one more weapon question. Um and, and this is specific to XO packs, but we can keep it general as well. Uh, a guy wrote in and said what's your preferred method to strap a bow onto your exo packs do you suggest any additional retention system such as the bow spider and is your bear bow carrier and he's talking about the exo mountain gear bow carrier accessory is the exo bow carrier required to use or strap a bow onto the pack
1: gotcha um yeah yeah I, I, whenever a customer calls in and, and they're going we're going through accessories um the the bow carrier I just say, hey it's a it's a glorified cam protector uh its job is not holding the bow to the pack it's just keeping the cam from uh you know any basically when you strap the bow to the pack it's longer than the pack is uh, and so unless you stick it up really really high where it's you know two feet above your head, the cam's hanging down low and so if you're uh riding a horse sitting on a saddle, riding a motorcycle, you're just hunting rocky country where you got the bow strap to the pack, and you want to sit down to glass. Um, that's where the bow carrier is really handy, right? You're still using the two compression straps on the back of the bag to hold it to the pack. Um, so to me, it's um, there, we don't have a quick access system. There, I've never seen a system that I really like that much. Um, you know, a bow just got so many kind of parts and pieces hanging out, and quivers and stabilizers that it's hard to to functionally like get off of a pack quickly and i just don't think it's a um to me if i'm if i'm the hunter just you know suck it up and have your bow in your hand uh (laughs) like that's just kind of how i look at it right like you just need quick access to to your bow um and strapping it to the pack and trying to get it off you know just doesn't make sense uh to me so um yeah i guess that's that's it i I, uh, um what are your thoughts on that
0: yeah, I mean, essentially the same. I like you. We could very well call our bow carrier a bow protector or what have you. Um, you know, from that regard, and then you know the other stuff like uh, he mentioned specifically the bow spider. Uh, I've got buddies that use those and things like that. It, to me, it's just one of the. I'm I'm just like you, Steve. Like more of the mindset of essentially, I'm I want my bow in my hand if I'm hunting. And if I'm not hunting, that's a different story. I don't need quick access. I will secure it using the built-in compression straps on the face of the pack, and it's back there, and it's solid, and it's good to go. Um, But if there's any chance of shot opportunities, I just want my bow in my hand. And even something that's quote unquote quick access is typically more movement or time or noise or complication that I want to deal with uh, in a potential situation.
1: Yeah, that's my thoughts exactly.
0: Cool. That's a wrap for this Monday Minute, guys. Um, As always, if you have any questions, anything like that for the show, shoot us an email to podcast at exomountangear.com. We'd be happy to chat through that, whether it's a gear question, hunting question. As we've said before, there are no stupid questions. So if there's just something you've been wondering about, let us know. Uh, and Steve, I mean, I was going to cap this one off by saying we'll see in a couple weeks or something, cause you're going to be in Alaska next week, but we got an extra week with you. So we'll have another Monday minute with you next week, man. Sounds good. All right. So you guys, thanks for tuning in.